0: All your favorite CBC Podcasts are now available on YouTube. The best in award-winning true crime investigations, hilarious comedies, vibrant pop culture conversations, and even more audio series are all available on CBC Podcasts' YouTube channel. You'll also find exclusive video first episodes, YouTube shorts, and behind-the-scenes content from our hosts and producers that you can't find anywhere else. So if YouTube is your go-to source for podcasts, just search CBC Podcasts and hit subscribe, and you'll never miss the latest update.
1: This is a CBC Podcast.
2: Here's the thing about Nickelback. They know that people make jokes about them. They know that for a long time, a certain subsection of music fans turned them into a punchline. But they don't really care, not just because they can take the joke, but also because they're incredibly successful. Tonight, Nickelback are being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, and they're here to talk about their careers, what sustained them as a band during the darker times, and the moment at six in the morning, they knew their lives would change forever. Nickelback are coming up. Plus, speaking of the biggest Canadian artists of all time, Avril Lavigne became world famous by making this mix of Pop and punk and country music, and her songs became anthems for a generation. But now, after going through so much in her own life, she's found her way back to her original music on her latest album. She'll tell you all about that. Avril Lavigne, coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. This is the part of the show where generally I'll tell you who the first guest is and read their list of accomplishments. I don't really want to do it today, so I'm going to get uh, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool to do it for me. 50 million albums worldwide, 11th best-selling musical act of all time, Billboard's most successful rock group of the last decade, six Grammy nominations, 12 Juno Awards, those count, six Billboard Music Awards, two American Music Awards, one People's Choice Award, Canadian, and a partridge in a... Pear tree. They definitely count. He's talking about Nickelback there from Hannah, Alberta, who did all that stuff in the way a band is supposed to do it, playing bars, playing backyard barbecues, opening slots, traveling in a van until one day – and they'll tell you the moment that it happened. One day their lives change forever, mainly because of their song How You Remind Me, which we also talk about. Tonight, Nickelback are receiving one of the highest honors an artist in Canada can receive – They're being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, joining the likes of Alanis Morissette and Deborah Cox and Shania Twain and The Tragically Hip. So, a little while ago, I got to talk to Chad Kruger and Ryan Peake from Nickelback about the honor, which had just been announced, and a little bit about their new record, which sounds like this. Can we start with San Quentin? I really, I really like the the song though. Tell me a little bit about that song.
3: Uh, nothing more than a chance meeting. I met the uh, warden uh, at a party, at a birthday party, actually. Really? Yeah, and I didn't believe he was the warden because he wasn't uh, hardened and mean and old. He was like young, nice guy. <laughs> I'm like you're not really the warden for San Quentin. Well, how, he was. how do you meet the warden for the San Quentin? Like, how does that happen? He was at a birthday party. It was a very large birthday party It was a, of a friend of mine who was a celebrity. And um, they'd probably done charity work or something together, some, something in the community possibly, and had become friends. And he wound up at the party. Right. And I wound up meeting him. And he was like, hey. He knew who I was. And I said, what, what, do you, what do you do for a living? He's like, I'm actually the warden for San Quentin. I thought he was kidding. And then it took a while. Like all his friends around him was like, dude, <laughs> he's really – that's actually the warden. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I immediately turned around hey, to my Dewey phone. Coxed and just, it. I fully See, Dewey Coxed it. You dare do- write a song,
1: don't you dare write a song, Dewey? <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I did. Um, and I just—I was like, "San Quentin, good song title. That's going that has got to be something aggressive for sure." And then uh, when the riff you know, started rolling around, uh, when we got to the chorus, I screamed out, uh, "Can somebody please keep me the hell out of San Quentin?" And then it just felt like we knew where we were going at that point. Was it inspired at all by the conversation?
2: Did he like no. tell you something in the no. conversation or just he brought San Quentin, no. the idea of San Quentin to your that's mind? A,
3: yeah. I, and it was just a, such a weird, It was just like, that's the warden of a legendary, notorious prison. Like, it's got its rock and roll history. It's got its, you know, Metallica filmed uh, San Quentin there, or uh, Saint Anger there. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash played there. Yeah. And then all the, you know, the horrific stories of it actually being San Quentin. Yeah. You know, think of, uh, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, like just rough, rough prison. I mean, it's probably still... You know, I started asking him some questions. He's like, he, he, he was, "You know, we're all about rehabilitation."
1: <laughs> you know, like,
3: I'm like, you know, I want to know about the dark, the dirty, dark yeah. secrets. And oh, he was sidestepping that. Like, <laughs> right? He's, he's a pretty normal, pretty normal he's dude. Very, very normal. Yeah. Uh, 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 sadly, a sadly normal human. You oh, know? you
2: wanted you wanted the big boss man. From I, I
3: want. I, I wanted Shawshank. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted
3: like mean, evil. You know, on the take sort of warden
1: we've been uh, working on like North Shore Correctional Facility for so long they just didn't have that uh, <laughs> pizzazz like exactly. let's do this it's a heavier it's a heavy What's
2: well, a heavy record and we were talking about this in the office I wonder if Nickelback are a heavier band than you get credit for hmm. like you're like, what did everyone else in the office say yes
3: We've been far heavier than anything on this record. The heaviest record we ever did was the last record, and nobody talked about it. We didn't talk about it. (laughs) Well, that timing—that's
1: a perfect example of timing as well. Like just when I feel people are ready, there's a softening on us, and people are ready to hear us again, which is great. There's a lot of softening on us. I call it a softening. Like the teeth are are going away. Um, If I feel like, but. but what you said before, I find interesting, and and, and it, it's a bit divisive, I think, or a bit controversial in that arena. When you said it feels a bit metal to a, to a degree, I've had this kind of epiphany about. Uh, and speaking as a Metal listener, I grew up, up listening to metal. To share epiphanies, yeah. You like now? We got to have them. They're exclusive now. <laughs> One um, light bulb between the two of us. You, grew, it, you grew up listening to Metallica, and, and I, 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 grew up initially with pop, and then when I bec- when I started playing guitar, yeah, it was metal, just a- yeah. Anthrax and Testament, and like lots of, and I lo- loved metal growing up, and then you, and then Blue Rodeo, and like you start to branch out from there. Um, but uh, what I just find interesting, it was just more of an observation, is that if you say okay, they've gone a bit, this sounds a bit metal. I could just hear all the metal heads just <laughs> getting up. And like, are Flexing. You, are you kidding me? Chin, chin are you up, kidding a little flex. Because I, I, I come from That's that initially. That. I understand there's, a, there's some kind of protective nature in the metal audience. And it's weird because if we play a rock song, like a really heavy rock song to an audience that likes the more melodic stuff, they're kind of taken aback, maybe not expecting it, but they'll still like live, especially they're like, oh, they'll get it. And they'll be accepting or they'll just go, oh, maybe not for me. Metal heads will be just like they're not metal, other than just just drag you through the mud for even suggesting that. Right, so it's really interesting. I, I, that that is they're really protective of their of their genre. genre, and if you if you dip your toe in there without fully being metal, you're just gonna get. Which I mean, it's neither here nor there if you if you don't read the comics, but it's it's really interesting. I mean, yeah. but it,
2: it, it is the story of Nickelback to me in some ways that like you, you are susceptible to people talking about you, but you keep your head down and make the of music that you want to
1: make. Yeah,
2: right. Absolutely. Like you are susceptible to metalheads or to pop people. I mean, I even hear, and I, I'm glad you're don't lunge. I hear like a country influence on this record. There are songs oh, on this no, record you, that feel like country songs map, to me.
3: All over the map. But am I right about the country um, thing? Yeah, absolutely. There, it's, there's a country rock tune on there, a stoner country rock. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, it's about getting in a van in like the 70s and going across, you know, whatever country it might be, Canada, America, whatever it is, and, and going from city to city, festival to festival, and picking up hitchhikers along the way. And, and every time you open the, the side doors of the van, it's just massive. Clouds of wonderful-smelling smoke come up the side. That's that's the movie in my head. Same old, same town, going nowhere. Need a brand new view in front of me. Don't need no map, no need to pack, and don't care much if we come back. Sitting still just wasn't meant for me. Um, I definitely get that the vibe with High Time. Uh, right. Like I said, photograph. That photograph's pretty much a country tune with a with a, you know a heavy chorus. How do you mean the vibe. Where's that guitar? Uh, Where's that guitar? Yeah. Pretty good tune-ish. Oh tune-ish. Oh
1: well, that sounds good. like nickelback.
3: Uh, Look at this photograph. Every time I do it makes me laugh. You know that's so country. And then, and then you know, I'm through with the whole rock star. Andrew. Uh, where about you, man? I might as well have sang it with a twang. I'm through with standing in line because i will never getting his line. Bottom of the ninth, and I'm never gonna win. I think you kind of did. I think you kind of did. I damn near am singing the song with a with a with a country twang. I mean, those two tunes to me. Uh, well, I mean, I think they played. Uh, they, they absolutely just censored the complete dog out of uh, Rockstar and played it on CMT. The video was played on CMT thousands of times. Um, how did so you feel about that? I don't, my, my music's getting out there. I don't care how it gets out there. I don't care what medium gets used. But, like, we wrote tunes. We're not, there's no snobbery with this band. I didn't write songs to sit there and go, no, 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 no. Those human beings over there on this same planet—they're not allowed to hear this music. Like, I, I don't get that snobbery. That is just so arrogant. I don't get that. No, this music is just made for these people, and they have to be like-minded people. Otherwise, you don't get to hear it. How do you do that in your writing? Like, how do you how do you keep all
2: that noise out when you get to a level where your records are selling this many records? Like, when, and when there's this many people relying on you, how do you keep all that stuff out of your mind? Kids from a, a small town.
3: Just a kid from a small town that, you know, that wound up uh, getting lucky with some verses and choruses and and being in uh, a band that shouldn't even be called a band. It should be called a family with four guys that love each other deeply. Um, and uh, that's where it all comes from. There's like there is no um, there's just no snootiness, no snobbery, just small town vibe. Does that explain how it happened? I mean, you just told me your last gig
2: before the pandemic was Rock and Rio. How many people is that? That that one was 120,000. time, place,
0: huge,
2: So that's 120,000 people. Whenever I see you guys play to shows like that, I can't even fathom what it's like to be on stage in front of that many people.
3: We we, we did yeah. it and 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 I can't fathom it. Yeah. <laughs> you can only see This time you was can crazy. only see the first 80 rows of humans, and then after that, it's just like it, it doesn't even make sense, like it doesn't compute to the human brain all of those humans in one place at one time. And it's like <laughs> it's, it's such a spectacle, it is just wild. I and, see the
1: first three rows, and I see the guy zip across in front of us back and forth. The whole show, it's, it's a crazy spectacle, yeah, it's a lot. So, of how thinking. do you
2: account for it? How do you account for small town band, Hannah, Alberta? going to end
3: up playing 175,000. I can't. Really? <laughs> I have no explanation. <laughs> you must have it. something. You must no, have I, something. I, I, think, I think we work hard and and you know we write the
1: tunes that we like and we get out there and we tour them. And
3: that's that's it. You it's, know, it's um, connecting
1: with people. It it, yeah. it doesn't matter. I I think I think that's the, you know, like you says the small town kind of scenario where we grew up and you you do what you do, but it you you try to connect with people, right? I think that as the human condition goes, you know, when you relate that way, it doesn't matter what language, doesn't matter anything in that sense. It's like when it's it's the, the, the country of music, like pe- it, people take that and they take it and they run with it and if they like it we will go that way. And you're saying you're the people who listen to your records, they feel, they feel like you. They feel close to yes. you. They feel like they're, I, you know. I, I think so. Or they feel like you're telling my story. As, you know, a lot of artists say, obviously, they find some kind of connection. as I still do with music. When I hear something it's that, that just hits me, I just grab onto it. And it's like, like an, I, I've, uh, my daughter introduced me to Phoebe Bridger's music. And I hadn't really listened to it much before. I'm like, holy crap. There's one of the stories that almost brings me to tears. I think it's got a song called "Funeral," and it's so heavy. I'm
0: singing at a funeral tomorrow for a kid a year older than me.
1: It's a it's a dark sounding like con- um, like content, day. but the music isn't. I like I like those kind of juxtapositions. <laughs> yeah, I think those are kind of interesting and. So I I like that it can still do that to you today. I think that helps as well, where you still love music. You still find that connection. And you hope that when you throw some music out there, it connects with somebody else. You mentioned this, the great softening that's been
2: happening with Nickelback. It's interesting to, to see you say it that way, but I, I was <laughs> it's surprised. the era. There uh, was the Great Depression. it so hard. so <laughs> long. The great softening. Yeah. I was... A um, pressure system coming I was surprised that you weren't already <laughs> in good. the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. I just, we just found out that you're being inducted into
3: the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. We are. At the Junos in Edmonton. Someone yeah. came up with a kooky idea. Yeah. How does that... What does that mean to you, Chad? Undeserved. I'm like, I just keep saying I, I feel like... Uh, you know we're not seasoned enough to be there yet i feel like that that's for i feel like that's for the really good artists <laughs> <laughs> you don't like you guys are one of the best selling canadian acts in history yeah, selling is just one thing i mean sales is uh, but I, again i just don't feel like you know you see these legendary lifetime artists I mean, maybe it's just an age thing you know i just i think you're supposed to be sort of 60 when you get it so you know i'm not sure what it is about uh, the whole the whole thing um it's it, you. You do feel like an imposter. Uh, you feel like a you know, like you've just sort of faked your way here, and you have no, you have no you have no <laughs> reason. You just, you just have it's
2: you just do not deserve to be to be there. Chad, that's really interesting to me. You can tell, right? Like that that you are in one of the best selling bands of all time. That you have at least two or three songs that I think will be played forever. Oh, you were expecting an answer like, BUT time! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting I don't deserve it. Mm. And I feel like an imposter when you have 175,000 people showing up to you in a different continent.
1: Yeah, it's weird.
3: It's... it's uh, Wait, I, it just went to 175. Keep
2: the story
1: going. going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 I don't know why, but I, I can kind of compare it in my head. If I, if, I, if I hear like, okay, the Tragically Hip is inducted in the Hall of Fame, I'm like, of course. Yes. Makes, yes, Makes sense. Makes sense. When I hear our name, yeah. it's hard to wrap your head around. It really is. It's like, I'm like, I instantly kind of head scratch for a second. Like just absolutely amazing and flattering that, especially in Canada. It really does mean a lot to us in Canada. So uh, it's sinking in
2: still. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to talk about, but I th- it is interesting. Like, it's worth exploring, Sure. me, the idea. Because I think it's, like, inspiring, too, that, like, for people who are in bands now or starting out, to know that, like, <laughs> sorry, I, don't, I don't know why I find this inspiring, but maybe because I relate to it, that no matter what happens, you can still feel like an imposter. Like, no matter yeah, what happens,
3: you can yeah. still feel like you don't deserve any but of this stuff. But I, I, I feel like, you know, if you're standing there getting an Oscar, unless you're Meryl Streep, uh, I'll bet you three quarters of them feel like imposters, you know, because they're just playing a role to get that trophy. But that trophy is an accolade that is so sought after, you know, by everyone else in your profession and you got one. Um, So when you're standing there, it's just like, how did I, what, what? (laughs) Like, why are we getting this? You know, when we just look around and we're just sort of like, Shouldn't they get one, you know, right. like before us? It, it, you, it's, uh, it is really difficult to wrap your head around. It's hard. What was the goal when you started? Was the goal to, to have this sort of long career? When we you? started this band, yeah, we always thought, I mean, because we always looked at these college bands, like we looked at, so when we were coming up, it was like...
1: It was it uh, Watchman? Watchman. Thomas Trio and the Red Albino. From Newfoundland, the, by the way. Yeah, the, good the, live band. Incredible. The yeah. Tea Party. Tea Party, um, Go Boys.
3: Odds. 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 Um, those were all college bands. And you saw these bands come into town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Junkhouse. Um, yep. They were all playing these college venues. These, and we were like, oh, if we could just remember that. We, we wanted we to get to the this, college this circuit great. so bad. Like, mm-hmm. just get to the college circuit. You know, they're playing to a 1,000, like 1,500 people every night. We're like, oh, my God. Can you imagine? And, like, we would make money doing this. And we could, like, just buy a house and tour back and forth in Canada. And just, oh, the dream. Like, that was the dream. We just wanted to be big enough to just play to enough people where we didn't have to get day jobs. And and that, and that would actually be our career. Um, and that back then was far-fetched. Right. You know, our, our, our cousin, Brandon, um, Mike and myself, our cousin Brandon, I feel like he might have been your cousin too. <laughs> <laughs> three, three Krugers and a peak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brandon's dad came to him at one point and was just like, come on. Like, you've had enough fun with the band. It's great, you guys have toured around, you know, lots of flat tires, lots of help from home, enough craft dinner. Uh why don't you come work for me? Start a family. And he and he bought in mm-hmm. and checked out. Mm-hmm. Left the band and That's uh, hard for you? Uh at the time it was. Um I think it's I think it's hard for him as well, yeah. you know, knowing that if he'd have stuck around one more a year, we got signed and away we went. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, life works the way it's supposed to work. Well, what, what, what kept you going? What kept you going when you were starving and um, craft dinner? dinner? And- because for me, there was no safety net. And once I started going across that tightrope, there was also no way back. The only way was to get to the other side. And I was dragging him and my brother know, kicking and, we and screaming. Didn't,
1: we didn't know what the other side really was. It nope. was just, we just got to go this way. We yeah. can't go this way. I, at, the point, at that point in my career, career life, I had nothing to lose. That was a big part of it.
2: That's and, a powerful
1: thing. Hey? It really is. Yeah. It, that, that's the, I, I got, I, I'm, yeah. If you Make don't keep started. swimming, you're going to die. Yeah. And You have to keep swimming. But you know what was motivating? And, and just be brief, just so we don't beat this to death. But it was, it was always something. There was always something good for us around the corner, a little bit better than the last thing. Mm-hmm. So we know the trajectory was going like this. We weren't like treading water. We weren't sliding backwards. There was always all oh, this another gig. It's, it's a bit better. We, you know they offered a little bit more money, so you can now we can pay for gas instead of going <laughs> into pocket is always nice. or something. Yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that was a big part of it. And uh, and for me, uh, when he came up with leader of men. Uh, which is before we even recorded. It was after our uh, Curb and, and State
3: Full-length album. my brain you so low.
1: When I heard that song, I was just like, there's, th- there's this... There's lots of potential here. There's something here. Yeah. Finally.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I could ever drink? So, so, so hard to swallow. Yeah, yeah. So hard to swallow.
2: of being like 12 or 13 years old and my cousin Danny writing me an ICQ and saying like hey have you heard the new Nickelback yet it's leader of man and it's, it's great Danny if you're listening to this and I know you are you were right all along coming up after the break more of my conversation with Nickelback we talk about How You Remind Me their big song and we also talk about how they can uh, how they can take a joke at their own expense uh, especially regarding this song
3: our eyes get so red. what the hell is on Joey's head?
2: What the hell is on Joey's head? More with Nickelback coming up.
3: I never knew ever without. The second floor is on the this
2: Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank.
0: You
2: remind Jam. You're in the middle of my conversation with that band Nickelback. Ryan and Chad from Nickelback. They're being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame tonight at the Juno Awards in Edmonton. Even if you're just a passing Nickelback fan, you know what? Even if you're not a Nickelback fan, you know this song because it's one of the biggest songs in Canadian history, How You Remind Me. So... I wanted to pick up the second part of our conversation by talking a little bit about that song and how it changed everything for them. Here's more of my conversation with Nickelback. So when How You Remind Me happens, which is once in a generation rock song, propels you to this North American, sorry, international fame and success, that must have been a bit overwhelming then. Like, that doesn't sound like anything
3: you could have predicted. No. No. But my wife did. I I was, I (laughs) was ready for the (laughs) slingshot. I was like, pull this thing back as hard as you can and let me go. And I was just like, let's go. I wanted to go so bad. And I just, I wanted to play that the first year. So when, so when How You Remind Me came out, I think we played 220 shows that year. Um, and I was like more, 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 more. We went to our Canadian booking agent, Ralph James, and we said, um, we want you to try and kill us in Canada. Try. We want to go A markets all the way across and B markets all the way back, and it just about killed us.
1: <laughs> that was a rough. Were we in a
3: bus? Are we in a van? Yeah, buses. Okay,
2: buses, trucks. Just right. the whole circus. Just talk to me about that again. When do you start to realize that this song is getting bigger than anything you could have anticipated?
3: because like, there's no, there's no. That's that's a magical thing, man. So you know? I had a huge party at my place, and we were going on tour the next day. And so I partied till, I don't know, probably 7 in the morning. And uh, whatever girl I was with drove me and dropped me off at the the Coliseum Mm -hmm. in Vancouver. And when she dropped me off, she's like, what's all this? And I'm like, I have no idea. And there was all these buses lined up and all these trucks. And remember getting out that morning? Mm -hmm. We got out. And I'm like, who are all these people? And ours, our our tour manager comes over and goes, that all those guys over there, that's your lighting crew. I'm like, who, who's that? Well, that's audio. Well, who's this? That's pyro. Who's the guy standing right behind me? That's your new bodyguard. <laughs> like, I was like, very different from oh,
1: five RC clubs. That we it was in just the like United states yeah. the year before.
3: It was kaboom. And and I'm like, where are we going? How big is this tour? It's like. It's the whole world, chat. I'm like, the whole world? He goes, yeah, and by the way, it's sold out. Is that overwhelming? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. It got to be, right? You were there, man. <laughs> it got to be
2: overwhelming. Just like that. It got to be overwhelming. Oh. It got to be like, you like the dog who caught the car.
1: Y- yeah. I yeah. have no idea what to do with this it. Like, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> Except I think we, we tried to figure it out pretty quick what to do with it. Uh, Hold yeah. Hold on with both hands. Yeah. And we just, I, I remember... Yeah, when we when we got there, we were always just like, when we were earning money on the road, we we're like, put it back in the show, put it back in the mm-hmm. show. We want to make sure, we want to make sure people are having a great time, so they'll come back and have a great time again. That was the most important thing. Again, was always just like, let's just this way moving up, moving forward. Let's just keep going. Let's not just sit here and tread water. Let's just move forward. Whether it was it would work or not, it's a whole other thing. But yeah. that was the mentality. Did you say your wife knew that How You Remind Me was going to be a big massive yep. hit? I don't know if she knew it was going to be a big massive hit, but she. Called it. Yeah. He came over and played it for me at my house. I was in Crescent Beach in in, uh, in kind of Vancouver area. Yeah. And he comes over before we could like send it on our phones and stuff. He could play it on the phone, but it doesn't sound as good. So he yeah. just drove over here. I got this idea. You played, you did play too bad over the phone for me as well too, but you came over with how you remind me, you just grabbed my guitar, started playing the, just the chorus. He had the idea and my wife was up at I'm like that's it's a good song my wife's up in the loft she's like that's a hit yeah <laughs> yeah she was like just hit, like that that's a hit and i'm just like <laughs> oh man well, we'll see i mean yeah we'll work on it wow yeah yeah she knew it oh, Trina she, knew. she 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 yeah, she she probably gets mad when I keep bringing that up with her. But <laughs> she's like, ah. she, she's got a great ear for music. like a really good ear for music. Good instinct too.
2: But it must be it must be great to be on stage and have that song to know that it's coming. Like you know, you,
3: like that everyone in that room is going to freak out at one point when that song comes up. Yeah. Even in those early days, when you're in non-speaking, non-English-speaking countries, uh, you really rely on a few of the big the few of the big ones. It's yeah. like, we better get to a sing along here quick. <laughs> are,
2: are you are you worried? Are you like? I've talked to people who have told me that having a really big hit song like that, there's this incre- intense pressure like, oh, I better have another one. Sure. Because a lot of people only get one. And you mm-hmm. ended up having a bunch of them afterwards and then continue to have them. Did you feel any of that pressure, Chad? Um,
3: yeah, but it was just – it's self-imposed. It's like – because everyone just says you've got your whole well yeah it's funny you got your whole life to make your first record and you've only got like a, a year and a half to make your second, which wasn't true because <laughs> we, we never stopped making records. Yeah, and you had we, made a bunch of records. We got signed on, ever the, ever signed on the on the yeah. on the third one, hmm. um, but you know and and off we went. But yeah, I I just think that it was I knew I knew the level it had to be at because at the same time, so how your mind comes out and like. I don't even know how much longer. I think How You Remind Me was sitting at the top of the chart somewhere, and then Hero came out. that
0: a hero save
3: us. I'm not going to stand And then that went like right behind it, and that was released by uh, Columbia for the Spider-Man soundtrack. And then as a band, we released Too Bad. How You Remind Me is on its way down still in, th- in the top 10 mm-hmm. too bad is just entering the top 10 and hero is right in the middle so there was a lot of chad on the radio at one point in time yeah yeah and then with uh all the right reasons it was photograph animals far away if everyone cared saving me saving me rock star there's six singles on on that record that was a big tour.
2: That
0: was, <laughs> I was a like, tour.
3: That's forget what your house looks like tour. Yeah. How,
2: how are you with the parodies? Photograph got parodied a lot online.
0: Look at this Instagram.
3: It's been an inside of ham. Started
1: out as a lemon tart. Then my phone went and made it on.
2: Sure. I mean, that has to be an interesting feeling, right, to have someone well, do like it a parody is. of your song. It, you know, it, also, look at that Instagram one that has like nine million views. Graph. It, look at this graph. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It's my favorite so, one. So
3: I'm like, for those of you born in this era, this next song is called "Look at This Graph," and <laughs> the the place just starts laughing. For everyone else, this is "Photograph." You know, we'd love to hear you guys singing along, kind of thing. And we go into the tune. but it's like that sort of thing because it takes on a life of its own, you know. Um, and we've uh, no one makes fun of this band more than we do. I mean, we are the most self-deprecating uh, four individuals you could ever possibly meet. And the notion that we take ourselves seriously
1: is absolutely ludicrous.
2: Is that how you stayed together for so long?
3: Having that, having
2: Taking that sense the of, about, piss of each other. Yeah, like yeah. Honestly, a lot of bands like,
1: don't make it this long, right? Yeah, it's it's a nice check and balance system for sure. Like on a lot of levels for. For all of us, it's like, it's it's nice to have people that know you, um, and because uh, you can get to a position where it, uh, like I've said before, you can get a lot of sycophants in this business, and it's it's not healthy. It's not healthy, and having, a, if you're a solo artist, it's tough to have people around you that you trust that, that will say no, or say not a good idea, or maybe you should consider this. Um, but in our band, we're all, we all respect each other, but we're also pretty frank with each other if we have to be. And at the end of the, whatever the conversation is, it's like you got to walk away like being okay with it. Like we got to right. be okay with this thing. So if nothing's trying to attack anybody or whatnot, but it is – I like the check and balances with these Why things. Why
3: weren't you guys frank with me when I started straightening my hair? I could have used a little bit of frankness.
0: <laughs>
1: It was it was a sensitive topic and,
0: uh, and I, I, you
3: know I, I could have
1: used a bro. Do you know what's funny, bro, dude? No, <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know. But you know what? I've always thought it's like I don't want him telling me anything about what? how I dress what? or my hair. That Why was a big is thing.
3: laughing so hard? I forgot. I forgot
2: that you straightened your hair oh, there yeah, for dude, a while. I, yeah, I, I forgot I, about I've that. I've had a and million
3: I, different uh, uh, stupid hairstyles and just like tried it all to the point where I was just like, ah, I'm just gonna cut it off. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as all the hipsters started growing their hair long, I was like, "Nope, I'm good." <laughs> uh, last, it's
2: funny to see that last time you were come on, we we did a big chunk of it was your first time on CBC, I think, and we did a big chunk on the criticism you guys have gotten over the years. You guys were really, you guys brought it up. It was like a really mm-hmm. lovely, open conversation. But like you said, there is maybe there's a softening. My feeling is that the the criticism is actually not as big as people think it is because it's just on the internet, and the internet doesn't. Sure. Speaking, speaking of pretend, but the yeah. um, Twitter isn't real. But yeah, but in your Now you're being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. You are... That's
3: real. (laughs) That's that's legit, by the way. But it is kind of real. (laughs) Like, it
2: is kind of real. And it does sort of pop the imposter syndrome bubble, which gives me the rare opportunity to ask you, when you look back on this band at this stage, I'm going to ask each of you, what are you most proud of?
3: To be able to do this, you know, for a living. And not not just do this for a living, but, like, to get to call this my career, uh that is, is just an absolute pleasure to be able to, you know, get on stage with three other humans that I adore and cherish is an absolute honor. Um, and to see if we can just keep this going, um, as long as we possibly can. And we get to decide when we, we pull the plug. Um, you know, that's what keeps
1: that's what keeps us going, keeps me going. That's his answer. That's a good. He would like to echo my sentiment. It's like when you do things and things, like mostly go right. I think for me is, I mean, I learn the most obviously when things kind of go wrong. You learn bits and pieces about you, but and which things have definitely gone wrong in at, at moments. Uh, but that things have mostly gone right. Kind of makes you feel like you are kind of you know you, you when you when you trust your gut in yeah. a lot of things in life and that could be in anything that you're doing that just you maybe you're on the right path and maybe this is worth it maybe this is more than just you know one right decision or one wrong decision I don't, I don't know if that necessarily makes sense to you but it's like it there's satisfaction in that for me there's, and, there's uh, validation in the choices that you made self validation in yeah. the sense where it's just like yeah maybe maybe you can you're okay to trust yourself in what you're doing. And and I try to instill that with with my kids where it's just like, you don't have to have the, you know, the pomp and circumstance of these, of these, because they want to, they like the music business. They like whatever business they're going into. I'm just like, you just have to be satisfied and in the sense of like, like gen, not just satisfied, but like just just happy and content with the choices you make. Right. And I feel like the choices we made kind of led us here. Some... Some, uh, oh, some sure. very, very, very <laughs> windy road, but man, it's, it's, uh, it's satisfying, I think, to, to feel like we're, I'm okay with, with where we're at.
2: Well, congratulations on in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. I think you're very well deserving of it. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank I appreciate you, that. Thanks for coming in.
2: That was my conversation with Nickelback, who are being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame tonight at the Junos in Edmonton. Their latest album, Get Rollin', is out now.
0: Why you acting so wishy-washy? Hey, what's up? My name is Vi Mighty, and you're listening to Q with Tom Power. Telling yourself to run back to me Because we both know this is a nightmare, not a dream You acting real wishy-washy Whoa, wishy-washy Whoa, wishy-washy Whoa, wishy-washy, Whoa. wishy-washy.
2: It's hard to talk about the past few decades of Canadian music without talking about Avril Lavigne. If you haven't listened to Avril since, like, I don't know, Complicated or Skater Boy, here's what she sounds like.
0: you overrated, nothing. The-
2: Avril Levine with the title track from her record, Love Sucks, that's got a bunch of Juno nominations tonight. Uh, Best album, best artist included in there. And it's an album that has Avril returning to the artist we fell in love with in the first place, the pop punk artist wearing the tie at the mall. And as much as it seems like Avril's career has taken a bunch of twists and and turns, when you talk to Avril, she'll tell you that everything is turning out exactly as she planned it. Here's some of my conversation with Avril Levine. Could you have imagined that you'd still be doing all of this 20 years into your career?
0: Yeah. Yeah? Yes. What do you mean? That's all I wanted. There's like interviews of me when I'm younger saying like, I want to do this for a long time. Like, I'm going to do this for a long time. I always in my head thought like how like Madonna had been doing music her whole life. Like, and I just was like, I feel like I'll do that. Like my whole life.
2: I want to go back to that because you were like 16 when you got signed. Yeah. What kind of kid knows then that they're going to like, this is going to be my life?
0: I just, I don't know, it was just, like, I didn't even know, like, what Hollywood was and record deals, and I, like, when I was, like, 14 singing on stage, and it was just, like, it was just, like, really, like, pure, like, where I was just, like, I just want to be a singer, and I want to play in front of lots of people, and, like, I was from a tiny little town in Napanee, Ontario, Mm -hmm. and, like, I didn't even know it was a possibility, but, like, I felt it in my body that, like. That was something I was going to do and I wanted to do. And I remember thinking, like, well, I better hurry up.
2: What 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 gigs were these when you were 14? What stages were you standing on when you were 14?
0: Shania Twain's stage. <laughs> Can you tell me that story? Yeah. I've heard
2: that story. I've heard, like, about that story.
0: Okay, so, like, basically I started singing, I don't know, like, seven, six, seven in church on stage, fairs, banquets, whatever. Then, like, I was 14. There was, on the radio station, there was, like, a competition to sing with Shania. I won. Oh, yeah. And went to Ottawa, met Shania, sang on stage with her. I sang one of her like old school country songs. What song? It's called What Made You Say That? And that was like the biggest stage I'd like first walked out onto. And I felt like this crazy rush of like, oh my God, I have to do this. Like, this is insane. This is amazing. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It was like this like feeling that came over me like this is what I want to do. Literally, like, two, three years later, I was at that same venue, that arena in Ottawa sold out.
2: I know this is a broad question. What is it like to go from playing on, like, church halls in Napanee to, like, a couple of years later being globally famous?
0: Yeah. um, So crazy. Like, one of my first shows was in Vancouver. And after we were like doing band rehearsals for a couple weeks, I remember like at that show being in my dressing room and like peeking out of the window and seeing like a line of like um, people coming into the show and they were all dressed like me in like neckties and uh, the white uh, tank top and the black eyeliner. And I was like, what? And it was just like, it was crazy. Everything happened really fast. It was just like new cities, new countries, first time shooting a video, first time being at an award show, first time everything. And it was just like, wow, my God, total dream come true. I can't pinch me. I can't believe this is happening.
2: It sounds unbelievable. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's crazy because now I'm on tour and I'm like jumping up on stage and it's just it's I feel like myself. Like when I'm up on stage, I'm like, okay, this is me.
2: Can I ask you about Love
0: Sucks? Yeah. Can I, we got we're mic'd up. You can ask me about whatever you want.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll get you to pick my lava yeah. numbers in a second and I'll ask you about the weather. Um interesting title and it's a great record. Like I really, Thank you. really loved listening to it. Talk to me a little bit about the headspace you need to be in for a record to be written and titled Love Sucks.
0: Uh so Love Sucks was the fir- one of the first songs that I wrote for the album. And it was how I was feeling that day. At that point in my life, I was just feeling like, okay, I need a minute. I need a break. I'm a little burnt out on love right now. Um, I'm going to focus on myself. And um, and then um, I started making my album, and that didn't last very long. But it set the tone for the rest of the record and... I had a lot of time in the pandemic to, like, reflect on my life in love and, like, things I'd gone through and all the crazy things it's put me through. And it felt very, like, all right, we're going to tap into this and have some fun with it. And the songs have a, a sense of humor. So, like, Love Sucks reminds me a little bit of my song Girlfriend. um, Sonically and lyrically and just, like, the spirit. So Girlfriend is like, I don't like your girlfriend. I think you need a new one. And... It's humorous and playful, and love sucks is like, ah, oh, not another breakup. When I think of you, I just want to throw up. Um, lying in my bed, why does love suck? Because that's how you feel sometimes when you're like going through it in love. You feel like you're going to barf. <laughs> so <laughs> I just wrote about it.
2: <laughs> Are you a therapeutic songwriter? Like, is it therapeutic for you to write sad songs or songs about going through um, a breakup?
0: Like I write I write about love a lot. Obviously, I think a lot of artists do. I've written about the different things I've gone through in my life and like I mean, it's easy to write a breakup song for me. Um it's easy to make fun of like what we like what love puts us through and like I kept it really lighthearted. Like my last album Head Above Water was very like emotional and deep and it was like a little heavy and like it was a little dark and like this album is called love sucks but it's also just very like lighthearted, and yeah. it's playful also there are a couple like two love songs on the record too
2: is it is it helpful for you like i know you're good at writing love songs and I know you're good at writing breakup songs. And and I've also like, I've read that writing melodies comes very easy to you, which I find really interesting. Does it help you at all? Like, does it help you? A lot of songwriters will tell me that writing songs helps them process their own emotions.
0: I mean, yeah, it depends. Sometimes it's like, where did this even come from? And I write a song and it's so fast. And then other times, like, I don't know. It depends on the mood and what it's about. I'll sit at the piano and I'll just be like, Okay, just open up, say it exactly how it is. Don't worry about whatever. Just be vulnerable.
2: Can, can we listen to the one, one of the tracks off the record? Just take a listen to this.
0: Nah, 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 not another breakup. make Can you taste it. Talk to me about where that song came from. Bite Me? Yeah. So like I wrote the chorus in in the studio with all the guys and I just got into the booth. I'd written on the chalkboard, Bite Me, because I knew I wanted that <laughs> to be a song uh, a song title. That's good, yeah. And so when I went in there, like I had known that I wanted a song called Bite Me. And then I started just singing like, Ayo, da na 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 And it was just like another easy like, kind of like song that's just like about self-worth and um self-love and respect and saying goodbye not giving someone a second chance and like truthfully before I started the album like I had gone through like a gnarly breakup yeah. that like really did take a toll on me <laughs> I
2: had I had moments when I listened to that song of like man oh man to get to go through a breakup and to – because it's like there's breakup songs that are I'm so sad that we broke yeah. up. And then there's that song, which is I'm so sad we broke up, but I'm – you missed out on something. Yeah. Like, you, you, I, like to come to come through a breakup song with a sense of self-worth is is meaningful. It's interesting to me, Avril, you know?
0: Yeah. It's pretty, pretty easy to say like when someone – messed up and they know it like sorry i'm the one who got away (laughs) like forever you're gonna wish i was your wifey
2: it's a it's a big rock record too Mm -hmm. like i think the past past records where there were more ballads there were more
0: and and like my whole life that's all i wanted to do is like rock out and like yeah this is the first one it's like all the way through like that and i feel like the record i've always wanted to make
2: how does it feel when you're on stage playing these songs
0: it feels great. It's such a rewarding feeling, and I feel really, uh, I feel really lucky and really grateful to still be here today.
2: Nice to meet. Nice to meet you.
0: You <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Congrats oh, thank on the new you record for, too. For the interview.
2: That was my conversation with the Canadian music icon Avril Lavigne. She's up for five Juno Awards tonight. You can find all the details at CBC.ca/Junos. This feels like a gift that I get to do this. This is Avril Lavigne with her first big hit. It still holds up. This is complicated.
0: Chill out. What she yelling for? Lay back. It's all been done before. And if. You could only let it be, you will see, I like you the way you are, when we're driving in your car, and you're talking to me one-on-one, but you be-
2: I once sang that song at a karaoke bar in Nashville. We'll say uh, maybe three or four Pepsis in. And uh, this little hive was a little high for me. <laughs> I, need, I needed to get bailed out by a bartender who helped me out. That was uh, on stage, by the way, not bailed out in real life. That is Avril Lavigne and complicated before that, my conversation with Avril Lavigne, who's up for... A, a bunch of Junos tonight in Edmonton. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. Uh, tomorrow on the show, you're going to hear my conversation with Alexander Skarsgård, who, for being a very sort of handsome leading man type, has taken on some weird roles. And he says that's intentional. He'll be here to tell you about it tomorrow on the show. See you then. Later on.